There's a lot of information out there on how depression and anxiety can affect a person. But what about how depression and anxiety can affect a marriage? That's what we're going to look at today on Quick Counsel as we look at another item on the list of ways that you can lose your marriage. Welcome to the Quick Counsel Podcast, where we will give you a simple and practical understanding of counseling issues and how they might apply to your life. Here's your host, Pastoral Counselor Brett Legg. Depression and anxiety, they're so prevalent these days that they're almost like the emotional equivalent of the common cold. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, at any point in time, 3 to 5% of people will suffer from major depression, and the lifetime risk is more like 17%. And according to DoSomething.org, anxiety disorders are the most common of the mental disorders and will affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their life. Now, most people suffering from depression and anxiety will get married and bring those issues into the marriage. So for the sake of their marriage, it's important for spouses to do something about their depression and anxiety. Why? Well, because depression and anxiety, if left unattended, can take over your marriage and drive the relationship. They become like the CEOs in your marriage. Here's what I mean by that. The C stands for contagious. Depression and anxiety are contagious in a marriage. Your spouse will start exhibiting some of the same issues, or they'll start exhibiting other issues in reaction to your depression and anxiety. Just as an injured leg will cause the whole body to limp to compensate, your spouse will limp to compensate for your depression and your anxiety. E stands for exasperating. Your depression and anxiety will be exasperating to your spouse. These issues will serve as a constant impediment to your spouse when it comes to going places, getting things done, and just in general enjoying life. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And the O stands for oppressive. Depression and anxiety in a marriage are oppressive to the marriage. They put a lid on how far the marriage can go and grow. So if depression and anxiety are that hard on a marriage, why do we often try to ignore them? Why don't people do something about their depression and anxiety if it's hurting their marriage? Well, here's a list of possible reasons. One, we don't always recognize it. Depression and anxiety can be hard to see when you're in it. They can come on gradually, so gradually in fact that it still just kind of feels normal and you don't see the problem till you're already deep into it. Another reason why we tend to ignore the depression and anxiety is we're embarrassed to admit them. Though it's not as bad as it once was, there's still a lot of stigma associated with depression and anxiety, and we're afraid that if people know we have them, they will see us as weak or broken. Another reason, we want to handle it ourselves. Our pride, our independence can get in the way of dealing with our depression and anxiety. We want to fix it on our own. But here's the deal. If you could have done that, you would have already done that. So chances are you're going to need some help. Which brings us to the next reason that people tend to ignore depression and anxiety. is because we don't trust counselors or medication. Now, this reason goes hand in hand with the previous reason. We would rather do it ourselves because we're afraid that counselors or medication will somehow mess us up and make us worse. Now, I don't have all the time to get into this to refute this right now, but let's just say that this is more of an excuse than a help. So... What can you do about your depression and your anxiety? 
I know it's easy to feel powerless and hopeless in the face of depression and anxiety, but you are not without options and you are not without resources. Here are just a few of the things that you can do to address and combat your depression and your anxiety. First, improve your physical condition. It's surprising what a difference taking care of yourself physically can make on your depression and your anxiety. I'm not saying that it will magically make things better, but diet, exercise, proper sleep, these all have a big impact on depression and anxiety. Another thing you can do for your depression and anxiety, find a better work-life balance. Now, I know it is not possible to completely and precisely balance your work and home life. There will always be some ebb and flow between these two. From season to season, it will change. But if they get too out of balance for too long, it can lead to and feed your depression and your anxiety. Another thing you can do for your depression and anxiety is lean into spiritual resources. If you're a person of faith, then leaning into the spiritual resources at your disposal can be a great source of comfort, strength, and direction for you. The Bible, prayer, meditation, those things can help you greatly, so lean into your spiritual resources. You can also talk to a pastor or counselor. It's not possible for us to handle everything in our lives by ourselves. We're not meant to. From time to time, we all need a little help from someone who's more objective and has more training and resources than we do. And finally, the last thing you can do to help with your depression and anxiety is to investigate possible medical help. If your depression and your anxiety seem entrenched and unresponsive to the previous approaches, then it may have more to do with your biology than with your thinking or your faith or your circumstances. If you've tried everything else but still struggle with depression and anxiety, then you may need to talk to your physician about the possible need for an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety med. But what can you do if it's your spouse who suffers from the depression and the anxiety? If you're married to someone who struggles with depression or anxiety, you know what a strain it can put on your marriage. Here are some of the ways it can affect you. You can wind up feeling exhausted and frustrated from trying to pick up all the slack for your spouse. That exhaustion, that frustration can turn into anger and resentment. You can wind up lonely because your spouse stays in bed or stays withdrawn or is too anxious to do things. You can be faced with the choice of either staying at home all the time or getting out and doing things on your own. And you can feel like your spouse's depression and anxiety are cheating you out of the life, the enjoyment, and the marriage you thought you were going to get. Now, since you can't force your spouse out of their depression and their anxiety, It can leave you feeling like your hands are tied, but there are some things you can do. First, don't avoid it. Don't sweep it under the rug. The spouse with the depression or the anxiety already prefers to avoid the issue, so avoiding it will only make it worse. Second thing you can do, be lovingly truthful with your spouse. They may not see how it's affecting you and the marriage. They may be too deep into it, or they may see it and feel so down on themselves and so guilty about it that they can't bring up the subject. So you bring it up. I know you don't want to hurt your spouse, but you must be truthful about how their issues are affecting you and the marriage. Be kind, be loving, but be truthful. Another thing you can do is ask or encourage them to take steps to improve things. 
Often depression and anxiety leave a person frozen and stuck. They may need your encouragement and gentle pushing to build some momentum. Now, they probably won't like it at first, but they may need it. Then, take care of yourself. Though you can't force them to do what they need to do, you can take care of you. Make sure that you're getting a proper diet, along with proper sleep, good exercise. Find someone you can talk to about what's going on with you. Someone who will listen to you and and help you guard against making rash decisions. You may even need to talk to a counselor or a pastor or a physician if things persist. And finally, you can lean into your spiritual resources. Again, if you're a person of faith, find strength, find guidance in the spiritual resources that are at your disposal. And now a final word. This post is not intended to beat up those who struggle with depression or anxiety, nor is it meant to make these people feel guilty. Please hear that. The purpose of this post is to, one, clearly make spouses aware of the impact depression and anxiety can have on a marriage relationship, and two, encourage you to attack those issues with all your might. Because not doing anything about your depression and anxiety can cause you to lose your marriage. And that's why it's on the list. If you or your spouse struggle with depression and anxiety, I hope this episode was somehow helpful to you and to your marriage. And if you know someone who struggles with these things, make sure to pass this podcast on to them. As always, you can find more from me at brettleg.com. That's one T and two G's, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I hope you have a great week, and I hope that you'll join us again for the next Quick Counsel. Thanks for joining us today for Quick Counsel. This podcast is meant to give you a simple understanding of counseling issues and is in no way intended as a substitute for professional counseling or therapy. If you feel you need further help, please contact a local counselor, therapist, or physician. Thanks for listening, and we hope you will join us for the next episode of Quick Counsel. Another reason, we want to handle it ourselves. Our pride, our independence can get in the way of dealing with our depression and anxiety. We want to fix it on our own. But here's the deal. If you could have done that, you would have already done that.